This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, the consequences of the shrinking human jaw, a result of our chewing muscles getting too little exercise. We basically have brought hunter-gatherer jaws and teeth into a McDonald's environment. The benefits of the caveman diet when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. They're being asked to do these impossible tasks, knowing that at least one in four of them is going to die. The young Air Force pilots of World War II, them. They are willing to fly good spacecraft, and they are willing to fly smart missions, even if they know that by their very nature, those missions come with a high risk of death. The heroic men of Apollo 8. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen to shows anytime on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Getting braces on your teeth is almost a rite of passage for a lot of middle school students, about three and a half million of them every year. It's a practice that's come a long way in the last 50 years. Obviously, thousands of years ago, braces didn't exist. But apparently, people didn't need them, according to Dr. Paul Ehrlich, Professor Emeritus of Population Studies at Stanford University. Hunter-gatherers just didn't have crooked teeth. And we didn't start getting cavities and so on, really, until we settled down to practice agriculture and got a different bacterial load in our mouth because of the change in diet. Grinding down, yes, in those days, there was a lot of grit in the food, but crooked teeth and cavities were not a problem for hunter-gatherers. We have the paleontologists and the famous anthropologists that look at this every day. They tell us that they never hold any dry skulls from the pre-industrial area that have crooked teeth like we have today. Dr. Sandra Kahn is a California orthodontist specializing in craniofacial growth and development. There is a lot of evidence, and this is very easy to find because we do have the dry skulls that date pre the agriculture revolution. So we know that those skulls had enormous jaws, and you know they fit the wisdom teeth, which were the last molars in the arch. It's very rare that you will find crowding on any of these old remains. And even only from a couple hundred years ago, before the Industrial Revolution. Khan and Ehrlich are co-authors of the book Jaws, the story of a hidden epidemic. An epidemic, they say, of crooked teeth. It's becoming almost universal, and it's just a symptom of a much more serious epidemic of shrinking jaws. And the most serious part of that, of course, is not having enough room in our jaws for our tongues. So when we try and sleep, often our tongues slop back into our throats, blocking our airway and causing first snoring, and then what's called obstructive sleep apnea, which is a tricky scientific term for waking up in the middle of the night because you're choking and being incredibly stressed. And that's what leads to the most serious health problems that we're concerned with. And that can include greater chance of heart disease, of cancer, of Alzheimer's disease, of ADHD, of depression, 
and actually even a bigger chance of being killed on the highway because more people are killed in accidents caused by sleep deprivation than they are by drunk drivers. Experts say about 75% of kids have alignment problems with their teeth by the time they hit age 13. Mostly, Ehrlich and Kahn say, because our jaws never get as big as they're meant to be, or as big as they used to be. More and more kids are now wearing braces. My daughter is on a so-called CPAP machine, as are a good number of my colleagues. These are machines that pump air into you while you sleep to prevent the choking, the obstructive sleep apnea that causes so much stress. It's a big, expensive public health problem. The trace is basically to settling down, practicing farming, moving indoors, and industrializing. Our jaws just don't get enough exercise, among other things. Ehrlich says the problem starts at birth, when we veer away from the caveman diet. We don't breastfeed long enough. If women were able to, they ought to be breastfeeding for years. There's also, you know, jaws work much more when you're nursing than when you're getting milk from a bottle. And we then wean to soft foods, to baby foods, when, of course, in the good old days, when we were hunter-gatherers, we weaned to the tough foods that adults ate. So we basically have brought hunter-gatherer jaws and teeth into a McDonald's environment. This has to be done in the first decade of life. I like an analogy that I use with patients. If you're baking a cake and you want to have a round cake, and by mistake you pour your batter into a square mold, and you put it in the oven. If you realize your mistake right away, within a few minutes, you take it out, you change molds, and you will have a beautiful round cake. But if, you know, 10, 20 minutes later, you realize your mistake and you try to change mold, you will never have a good cake. So we have to do the changes in the environment in the first decade when the bowls are still malleable, when the kids can change, when we can really create the environment that will make them develop as opposed to braces, which are really just dealing with a symptom after the jaws have practically grown all the way. Kahn and Ehrlich say the examination of skull remains shows the problems all started about 8,000 years ago. Jaws then were much larger and more prominent than they are now, but it's not a genetic change. Their faces seemed a lot fuller. Just like, let's imagine you have a child and the child doesn't walk for several years, the legs wouldn't develop. So if we're not having all that stimulation early in life, then our faces are dropping back. And we can see it if you just look at, at children that live in very industrialized environments that they eat a lot of processed foods. But there hasn't been enough evolutionary time for us to have had a genetic change. So this has to be environmental. The genetic component, you know, you would have to have a trait that just keeps you from being able to reproduce and then... You need a lot of generations to really have a genetic change. So these changes are they're happening in a very short evolutionary time. So we know that it's in the environment. We know very well in evolutionary biology that every characteristic of people is an interaction between their genetic code and the environment. And if you change the environment dramatically, you're going to change how that genetic code operates to make the individual and the biggest environmental change human beings have ever made was settling down to practice agriculture, moving inside. With agriculture, you can have specialization because not everybody's got to do nothing but get food. And the specialization led to industrialization. 
And here we are slapping braces on kids and adults sleeping in CPAP machines. Ehrlich says we've also turned away out of necessity from the way we're supposed to breathe, and that's contributed to receding jaws as well. One of the worst things for our jaws is mouth breathing. One of the worst things for moving indoors is the concentration of allergens, of things that give you allergies so that kids tend to have stuffy noses for the first few years of their lives. And we know from some ancient experiments that if you stuff the noses of monkeys, their jaw development goes to hell. The same thing happens, unfortunately, with human beings. And if you watch kids now when they're not paying attention, when they're watching, say, a TV show or something, they often are hanging their mouths open. Mouth breathing has been known for almost 200 years to be very bad for human health. Khan says the difference between hunter-gatherers and people living in a modern society could be seen as Americans conquered the Old West. She says Native Americans had two nicknames for the intruders, pale face and black mouth. They would see their wife would just hang their mouth open. And we think that it was because they would get stuffy noses, just like we do today. A lot of the children have stuffy noses. We feel like that is probably one of the drivers of this problem with the jaws, that the the children just hang their mouths open all the time. And in addition to that, we're not chewing the hard foods that our ancestors were eating when we were hunter-gatherers before we had agriculture. They would eat the same foods that their adults were eating. The mothers would breastfeed the children for three or four years. But even though some experts have noted for more than a hundred years the differences in jaw size of indigenous people and modern city dwellers, nobody really put together why it was happening. As an evolutionary biologist, I'm embarrassed that I didn't ask myself why suddenly do we have things called wisdom teeth, which are just the last molars that no longer often have room to erupt. Why do we have all these breathing problems and so on? I just didn't see it. And neither did other experts. Just as Ehrlich says, researchers have spent plenty of time examining our foods, but only some of their qualities. There's a huge literature on changes in the human diet and needs in the diet in terms of the nutritional quality of the foods. But the issue of how tough they are, how much chewing they require, is really not represented well in the literature at all. It's not represented well in the many health bulletins that people subscribe to now. I remember in one bulletin that my wife subscribes to, a big article on whether smoothies have the same nutritional value as the fruit itself. And they never mention the fact that smoothies don't exercise your jaw muscles at all. That, in fact, we have selected fruits so they're damn near liquid now. I can easily go to the supermarket and buy a peach that you can almost drink. You could just, you know, suck a hole in it and suck it down if you wanted to. About the only fruit we now chew is apples. And chewing is what Ehrlich and Khan say we need. But as they've said, it has to start young, with lengthy breastfeeding, and then weaning to foods that are hard to chew. Given our mushy modern diets, it may even take extra measures recommending going back to chewing gum. And there are special gums you can get that you don't have to paste on the bottom of a chair because you can chew them repeatedly. We need more exercise in our jaw muscles, just like we need more exercise in other parts of our bodies. And we spend a lot of time doing that. Imagine what children's legs would look like if they weren't allowed to walk until they were 12 years old. For some reason, we've separated the jaw from the rest of the body. Every All our other muscles, we keep being told, exercise them. 
with our jaws, we're making more and more processed and liquid diet for everybody, and we're paying a huge price for it in health costs, in shortened lives, in misery, and in money. After about age 10, Con and Ehrlich say it's too late to straighten things out on our own. And by the time a child's 11 or 12, many parents will look to an orthodontist to fix what they think the problem is. People are moved to go to orthodontists for cosmetic reasons. They want their kids to look good and so on. But actually, you got to be very careful because sometimes the orthodontic treatment can satisfactorily make people look better, but actually shrink the jaws further and cause more problems with the airway. But happily, a bunch of orthodontists are moving to what they call airway-centric orthodontics, where they pay a lot of attention to not shrinking the root that takes air from your nose down into your lungs. Raising kids with roomy jaws isn't necessarily easy. Few moms these days may find it practical to breastfeed for years, and a diet of tough-to-chew foods may not win praise around the dinner table. But Ehrlich and Khan say steps in that direction have a payoff years down the road. You can find out more about the book Jaws through links on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. You'll find archives of our programs there, too, as well as wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Reed Pence. As people around the world practice sheltering in place, many are looking for ways to continue healthy habits while they're at home. The Alzheimer's Association has suggestions to benefit your body and brain during this challenging time. Here's Dr. Heather Snyder, Vice President of Medical and Scientific Relations at the Alzheimer's Association. First, it's important to take care of your mental health. Meditation and journaling are ways to manage stress at home, and there are many online support services and resources. Second, stay connected with your friends and family through phone calls or video conferencing. Schedule a virtual game night. Third, challenge yourself with new activities that push you mentally, like reading about a new topic, learning a new language, or taking an online class. Staying physically active, getting plenty of sleep, and eating well are also important for our brain, Snyder says. Evidence suggests these healthy habits may reduce risk of cognitive decline as we age. Reach the Alzheimer's Association at ALZ.org or call 800-272-3900. May is American Stroke Month, and keeping stroke in mind is more important than ever. Emergency room doctors report fewer patients coming in when they have stroke symptoms. But you should know that hospitals have reconfigured emergency care to protect patients with and from COVID-19. It's safe to call 911 and important to do it quickly. Dr. Ralph Sacco is a former president of the American Heart Association and incoming editor of the Stroke Journal. Every minute counts if someone is having a stroke. Clockbusters can reduce disability if administered within hours. That's why the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, issued emergency guidance to stroke centers, recommending increased use of video conferencing with EMS to ensure that suspected stroke patients are taken to the right hospital immediately. Learn the acronym FAST for key stroke symptoms, F for face drooping, A for arm weakness, S for slurred speech, and then T, time to call 911. Find out more at stroke.org. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. 
join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. The very act of singing might be right up there with skydiving in terms of one's safety during this epidemic. Why your church choir or local chorus may be one of the last things to come back from the pandemic. Then why women are genetically stronger than men. It's not just having an extra pair chromosome, like a backup chromosome, you know, like a spare tire in your trunk that you pull out if you have a flat, and they share and cooperate. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.